The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. All right, they've managed to figure out the audio issues at the legislature. Here is Premier Kenny. I'm uh, here joined today by Dr. Dina Hinshaw, Chief Medical Officer of Health, Dr. Verna Yu, the uh, uh, President and CEO of Alberta Health Services, and Shane Schreiber, the Executive Director of the Alberta Emergency Management Agency. And uh, today we'll be making a very important announcement about uh, the future of Alberta's fight against the COVID-19 pandemic. But before getting to that, on behalf of all Albertans, I'd like to offer our deepest condolences to the loved ones uh, and comrades of Royal Canadian Navy Sub-Lieutenant Abigail Kobov following an accident following an RCAF cyclone helicopter stationed aboard the HMCS Fredericton. We also offer our prayers for the five Canadian Armed, Force mem- Armed Forces members declared missing including Captain Brendan Ian McDonald, Captain Kevin Hagen, Captain Maxime Miron Morin, Sub-Lieutenant Matthew Pike, and Master Corporal Matthew Cousins. As Minister of National Defence, I had the honour of spending a couple of days aboard HMCS Fredericton and know the crew of that vessel, that vessel to be made up of remarkable sailors and aviators, each of them Canadian patriots willing to risk their lives in the defence of our country. We hope for the best for those who are missing while acknowledging that all six of these members of the Royal Canadian Navy and the Royal Canadian Air Force are women and men willing to sacrifice themselves for the rest of us, a debt that we can never fully repay. Let me also uh, provide a, an update briefly on the flood situation in northern Alberta. Minister Nixon provided uh, a status report at 1 o'clock this afternoon. I'm just pleased to see that uh, the ice jams continue to uh, to melt and disintegrate and the flood uh, water levels continue to abate. Uh, once again, we stand with our uh, fellow Albertans in Wood Buffalo and Mackenzie County uh, at this very challenging time uh, and they continue to receive uh, through their municipal governments uh, all necessary support uh, from the government of Alberta. Moving to today's announcement, Dr. Hinshaw will provide uh, a daily COVID-19 update in a few minutes. But first, I'd like to mark a critical moment in our province's battle against the pandemic with the announcement of Alberta's relaunch strategy. This is our plan developed on the advice of public health officials for carefully and gradually lifting the restrictions imposed on our economy and on our lives. It feels like a lot more than 56 days since the first presumptive case of the novel coronavirus was reported here in Alberta on March the 5th. But together, Albertans have responded to the worst global pandemic in over a century with a great deal of common sense, but also making tremendous sacrifices and demonstrating great resilience. Your efforts have succeeded in containing the spread of the virus far below the devastating scale of the outbreak in many other places and well below the capacity of our healthcare system to cope. The losses have been hard and there will uh, without a doubt be more to come and we'll be remembering and grieving the toll of the pandemic for the rest of our lives. As I said before, I won't sugarcoat reality. The truth is, we still face the most severe economic conditions since the Great Depression of the 1930s. And it will take heroic effort and determination to get Alberta working and growing again. But with today's launch of Alberta's relaunch strategy, we can finally begin to shift our focus from the pain and anxiety of the past few weeks and to start looking with modest hope and cautious confidence towards the future. Now, we're still months from anything that will feel like the normal lives that we all took for granted just a few weeks back. But as we begin to look to a new future, I'd like to thank you for your strength and adaptability, which has allowed our province to respond so effectively. Our success has been built on a sound pandemic response plan implemented by Dr. Hinshaw and the team at Alberta Health and AHS, who many of whom saw COVID-19 coming before many others did. They prepared by assembling the best stockpile of medical supplies in Canada, and as importantly, uh, by quickly implementing a testing regime more aggressive than in any other province in Canada, and among the very best in the world. 
That's one of the reasons we have by far the lowest relative number of hospitalized COVID-19 patients amongst Canada's largest provinces. We have uh, 90 COVID-19 patients receiving hospital care today, only about 5% of the 1,900 acute care beds that we have currently set aside for the pandemic and more to be added as we approach the projected peak. 18 COVID-19 patients are currently using ventilators. That's about 3% of the 689 ventilators currently available in Alberta hospitals for COVID patients. And as we demonstrated in our updated modeling presentation earlier this week, our low probable and elevated scenarios for the pandemic have us well below the maximum capacity of our health system to cope. Uh, to cope at the projected peak now and in the future. Uh, and uh, in fact, much lower than the projected peak two, two to three weeks from now. And we have now stockpiled weeks worth of personal protective equipment for our healthcare workers. So while we continue to see new cases and expect to, as long as the virus is around, we've achieved our uh, primary goal of flattening the curve of infections to keep our healthcare system from being overwhelmed. Uh, we've also made our own prudent decisions about how to control the pandemic while minimizing the impact of these measures on our economy. For example, uh, where we moved to prohibit public gatherings to under 15 people, in Ontario the limit has been five, and Quebec banned gatherings completely. We, here in Alberta, we did not impose full lockdowns of an entire region, whereas in Quebec, for example, they locked down 10 entire regions. And of course, many European countries and U.S. states have had far more stringent restrictions in place. Now, where some other provinces closed down their manufacturing and construction sectors, here in Alberta, we kept them and other critical industries like the energy, energy industry open and operating, of course, with appropriate precautions over the past couple of months. So because we did not overreact, only 15% of businesses had to close entirely because of the public health orders, representing about 12% of the workforce and I believe about 4% of our provincial economy. Now, I don't say these things to minimize in any way the impact on the tens of thousands of Albertans whose livelihoods have been seriously affected. Their sacrifices, their suffering are real. And we will not stop until we we're able to get all of them back to work. But thanks to the prudent choices that Albertans have made, we are in a strong place and we are learning gradually what works as we move to reopen other business sectors and public activities across the province. Our challenge now is to begin returning to a more normal life. A, a full return to normal won't come until there's an effective vaccine or treatment or until the virus is no longer there to threaten us. But until then, we'll all have to remain vigilant. We'll have to continue to practice the personal distancing and hygiene habits that we've all learned to adapt to over the past couple of months. And between now and then, we'll apply the scientific knowledge that is being learned about COVID-19. And we can continue to learn from the practical experiences and successes of other societies, like, for example, South Korea and Taiwan, who have adapted to the threat while keeping most of their economies and social activities functioning. Today's announcement marks the start of a carefully controlled and staged approach to safely reopening Alberta's economy and society and getting Albertans back to work. The full relaunch strategy will allow for the gradual reopening of businesses, services and recreational opportunities as they're able to reopen under new health guidelines. Each stage will be evaluated and sequenced to ensure public safety is protected while meeting the needs of people business and businesses and to protect against potential future surges in transmission of COVID-19. As we begin to reopen, several safeguards will be in place to protect Albertans, and those safeguards include increasing our COVID-19 testing capacity, which continues to lead the world, robust and comprehensive contact tracing, aided by technology, to quickly notify people who may have been exposed, support for those who have tested positive for COVID-19, to enable isolation 
and effectively to contain the spread. Stronger border controls and airport screening, especially for international travelers. Rules and guidance for the use of masks in crowded spaces, especially on, in areas like mass transit, for example. And maintaining strong protections for the most vulnerable, especially the elderly in long-term care facilities. We have a rapid response plan to deal with future local outbreaks of COVID-19, which was outlined by Dr. Hinshaw yesterday. We can expect to see future local outbreaks, but with more and faster testing in place, increased testing of close contacts, and better public awareness of health guidelines, we're in a position to identify those outbreaks and contain them before they spread and strain our healthcare system. Our plan also includes making testing even more widely available, including testing those in settings uh, that don't have uh, those people who don't have symptoms and providing temporary housing for isolation or other needed supports for anyone who's at risk. And in every stage of our relaunch, Albertans will need to continue practicing careful personal hygiene like washing hands frequently. We'll still need to follow physical distancing requirements of about two meters and we'll all need to stay home if we show symptoms of the virus, such as cough, fever, shortness of breath, runny nose, or sore throat. So no more just toughing it out at work when we're sick. At the first sign of these symptoms, please stay home, take the online diagnostic test, and get tested if that is recommended. The successes of our relaunch depends on each of us looking out for ourselves and for our health system first. In doing so, we're also taking care of each other. The relaunch stages will also include an evaluation and monitoring period to determine if restrictions should be adjusted up or down. Triggers that will inform future restrictions include hospitalizations and intensive care unit occupancy. Keeping the burden on, on our hospitals well within what our healthcare system can bear is key to our strategy. That is why we continue to increase our healthcare capacity by adding more hospital beds, more ICU beds, and more ventilators to make our system even more resilient. Once our government, in consultation with the chief medical officer, is satisfied that the necessary health measures are in place, we will move forward to the first stage of our relaunch strategy. We anticipate that some businesses and facilities will be able to open as early as May 14th. That will be stage one, and this is what it lo will look like. Retail businesses like clothing, furniture, and bookstores will be able to reopen, operating within new public health guidelines, addressing things like the number of customers and disinfecting protocols. Some personal services like hairstyling and barbershops will be able to reopen under strict health guidelines. More dental procedures, physiotherapy, chiropractic, optometry and similar services will also be able to open under these strict health care guidelines. New public health rules tailored to specific types of business will also mean that we can reopen museums and art galleries, uh, daycares with limits, restaurants, cafes, lounges and bars if they can maintain social distancing, such as public seating at 50% capacity, and some additional re outdoor recreation. Gatherings of more than 15 people will not be allowed for the time being, although we do expect that number to increase uh, above 15 over time, and visits, visits to patients at healthcare facilities will continue to be limited. Although I do note that uh, Dr. Hinshaw announced yesterday uh, some a clarification and, and uh, more common sense provisions with respect to visits to uh, the elderly at to long-term care facilities. This also means that events that involved close physical contact, including uh, art and culture festivals, major sporting events and concerts will remain closed. Movie theaters, pools, recreation centers, arenas, spas, nightclubs and gyms will remain closed for now. We'll also continue to recommend that all Albertans avoid non-essential travel and uh, that they work from home when they can. And to prevent the spread of the virus, we'll ask Albertans to use masks in specified crowded spaces that don't allow for physical distancing, as I said before, like on mass transit.
And, and on that point, I can uh, inform Albertans that the government of Alberta has ordered tens of millions of non-surgical masks, and we are developing a system for their distribution to help people uh, to be able to use face coverings in crowded areas in the future. That program will be launched in a few weeks. As I said, if our situation remains stable for the next two weeks, we'll begin the first phase on May 14th. If we continue to keep the virus under control in that stage one, we will eventually progress to stage two, which will enable additional businesses and services to reopen and to resume operations with the two-meter physical distancing requirement remaining in place with enhanced protection controls. This will include more scheduled surgeries, including backlog elimination. It will include personal services like uh, artificial tanning, aesthetics, cosmetic skin and body treatments, manicures, pedicures, waxing facial treatments, massage and reflexology. Restaurants, cafes, lounges and bars will continue to operate at that phase two, but at reduced capacity. Some larger gatherings will be permitted in some situations with a number of people to be determined as we learn more about the levels of risk for different activities. Movie theaters will uh, be able to open with restrictions and summer camps will open again with restrictions. Visitors to patients at healthcare facilities will continue to be limited for obvious reasons. And nightclubs, gyms, pools, rec centers and arenas will remain closed during stage two. Arts and culture festivals, concerts, attendance at major sporting events and other mass gatherings will not be permitted in the second stage. And as in the first stage, we will continue recommending against non-essential travel. Stage three will uh, ease restrictions even more. When we get there, we'll see, for example, reopening all businesses and services, obviously with some uh, prudent public health restrictions, permitting larger gatherings with the number of people to be determined in the future. Arts and culture festivals, concert and major sporting events will be permitted, but with restrictions. Nightclubs, gyms, pools, rec centers and arenas will reopen at that stage with some restrictions. And resuming industry conferences as well will be permitted uh, with restrictions, although physical distancing restrictions will be maintained in all circumstances, but non-essential travel can no longer, will no longer, pardon me, be discouraged at that point. And by then, I think a lot of us are going to need a bit of a break anyway. Even before we start implementing the three formal stages of Alberta's relaunch strategy, I'm pleased to announce that we will immediately take action to lift the following restrictions. First of all, Alberta Health Services will resume some scheduled uh, non-urgent surgeries as soon as Monday, May the 4th. Secondly, dental and other health providers will also be allowed to resume services starting Monday, May the 4th, as long as they follow COVID uh, guidelines um, uh, uh, that are um, proposed by their professional colleges. Thirdly, Alberta's online campground reservation system will open for bookings on May 14th, and campsites will be uh, gradually made available, although spaces will be limited to allow for appropriate distancing. Large group camping, shared cooking areas and programming will continue to be closed for the foreseeable future. Vehicle access will be once again allowed in some of our provincial parks as early as this weekend and some boat launches will also be opened this Friday, tomorrow. Private and municipal parks can also open as long as appropriate physical distancing restrictions are in place. Golf courses will be allowed to open as early as this weekend, weather and conditions permitting. However, clubhouses and pro shops will remain closed until uh, stage one when other retail stores are able to open. I would remind outdoor enthusiasts that while there are no off-highway vehicle restrictions currently in place, we ask people to be responsible and will be monitoring closely should the risk for wildfires increase. For our relaunch strategy to succeed, Albertans must be confident in their ability to go out and visit these businesses and services safely. We'll all need to be comfortable going into stores and visiting restaurants and workers need to be comfortable going to work. So I want Albertans to know that our public health officials are constantly reviewing and improving our public health guidelines to keep us safe as we begin to resume in economic and personal social activities.
You can expect to see changes and clarifications to this plan as it unfolds. So it is not set in stone. It's going to be a uh, plan that develops over time based on how well we're doing to combat the virus. This is a good thing, as we'll learn from the rapidly growing scientific literature and the experience of similar jurisdictions around Canada and the world. At all times, we'll be guided by the best and most up-to-date advice to ensure the safe operation of services and businesses. In every phase, there will be an evaluation and monitoring period to determine if we need to adjust restrictions up or down. In some cases, we may need to take a step forward. In others, we may have to take a step back. We have a world-class healthcare system with professionals who are working night and day to keep us safe and beat this virus, and will be closely watching hospitalization and intensive care unit occupancy rates. New confirmed cases, the percentage of positive results, and the rate of infection will be monitored to inform proactive responses in local areas right across the province. While restrictions are gradually eased across Alberta, an outbreak may mean some restrictions need to be temporarily strengthened in a local area. Throughout all stages of the relaunch strategy, the government will continue to do everything in its power to curb the spread of COVID-19. We can see the measures we put in place are working. The vast majority of Albertans have demonstrated a tremendous level of both personal and civic responsibility in the face of something that we've never experienced before. I'm confident that we'll all move through the stages of this relaunch strategy with the same sense of unity and resilience that we've shown from the start of the pandemic. So I'd like to conclude by recalling that in my address uh, three weeks ago, I reflected on how uh, Buffalo herd together uh, during a fierce prairie storm and they go into it head on until it passes, a metaphor to illustrate how Albertans were dealing with the pandemic. Today, our situation has changed, and the threat has changed. Now our main focus must be on protecting the most vulnerable. Once again, the buffalo, that iconic symbol of life on the prairie for Indigenous people for millennia, provides a perfect metaphor for us. When stalked by wolves seeking to prey on the weak and injured, the buffalo again herd together to protect their own from the threat. Let the spirit and example of the sturdy prairie buffalo uh, serve as our challenge and as our inspiration. COVID-19 will continue to threaten us for many months to come, but with care and with common sense, we'll be able to move steadily and safely through the stages of our relaunch strategy and begin the process of rebuilding our wonderful province together. Thank you very much. And we'll now hear uh, from Dr. Hinshaw for her daily update and we'll be happy to take your questions. Thank you, Premier, and good afternoon. I will keep my remarks to just an update on cases today, as I know many of you have questions about Alberta's relaunch strategy. Over the last 24 hours, we have confirmed an additional 190 cases, bringing the total in Alberta to 5,355. We have now reached 1,400 sorry, 148,937 tests completed in Alberta to date with 5,051 new tests since yesterday. I'm also pleased to report the number of recovered cases in Alberta has increased to 2,161 overall. Sadly, we have also confirmed three additional deaths. I want to express my sincere condolences to the families and friends of these individuals. I would also like to report a death that had been previously thought to be related to COVID-19 has now been reclassified as being unrelated to COVID-19. This means the total number of deaths in the province today has increased by only two to 89. As I have said before, any death is a loss of someone who is loved by their family and friends. Whether their death is from COVID or anything else, each of these lives matters. The clarification provided about the counts is simply due to our commitment to transparency, but it is not meant to imply that some deaths are worth more than others. My sympathies go out to all families mourning the loss of a loved one at this time from any cause. 
As of today, there are now 544 cases in continuing care facilities across the province. At High Rivers Cargill Meatpacking Plant, there have now been 908 total cases, 631 of whom have now recovered. There have also been 333 confirmed cases among workers at the JBS plant in Brooks. I will continue to update you on these facilities as the situation evolves. While we continue to work to prevent transmissions in these outbreaks, we have seen low numbers maintained in most of the province. We cannot let up on outbreak control, but we can celebrate today what we have accomplished. Many have suffered from this virus. Lives, lifestyles and livelihoods have all been impacted. I want to thank all Albertans for their collective sacrifices that have helped us get to where we are at today. However, our fight is far from over. We must continue to use common sense to protect each other and help prevent the spread. Please continue to wash your hands frequently, stay home when sick, maintain physical distance and look out for each other in the days and weeks ahead. Today is the beginning of our next phase of protecting each other and we will continue to need each other more than ever in the days ahead. For many Albertans, part of that collective support is through faith-based organizations as an essential part of their lives. These organizations continue to be able to practice subject to public health direction, including restrictions on mass gatherings and physical distancing. Public health officials will continue to advise government and work with these organizations to learn from past outbreaks and provide guidance related to specific practices as we progress through stages of the relaunch. This will include consideration of safe ways of supporting singing and other tra uh, traditions to ensure safety while supporting social connection. Thank you again, and we are happy to take questions. Okay, thank you. Uh, operator, can you please put through the first caller? First is Lacia Corbella with the Calgary Herald. Go ahead, Lacia. Thank you. This is a question for Dr. Henshaw. Um, Dr. Henshaw, uh, when uh, the province essentially started closing things down, um, my understanding is that inspectors with OHS and AHS um, conducted a uh, they, they went into Cargill virtually. They did not go in physically. Um, can you explain why this was done? And how can you have any assurance that um, social distancing is done properly if it would be the employer showing what they chose to show via video? And now we um, understand that the latest uh, reopening there has been an inspection done by um, AHS, and they've done it in a plant that's completely empty of people. How do they know that the social distancing um, ha will be appropriate without having actually seen the workplace with people in it? So I can't comment on uh, what's been done through the, the labor, the occupational health inspectors. So that would be a question for the Ministry of Labor. Uh, but I do know that Alberta Health Services conducted several on-site inspections where they had both medical officers of health and environmental public health inspectors uh, go into the plant while the plant was operating uh, to do an on-site physical inspection. Uh, and so I'd be happy to get the, the total number of times that Alberta Health Services did go into that plant. Uh, I don't have that off the top of my head. I know um, at a minimum of at least two visits prior to when the plant had decided to stop operating that were undertaken in person and I, I believe there may have been more but again we'll get that that detail for you. Uh, as you say there was an on-site inspection that happened this week that included Alberta Health Services as well as some of the other regulatory agencies uh, and so there was a uh, review of all of the plans that the plant had in terms of safe opening and safe operating, walking through all of the spaces to see uh, where physical barriers have been put in place uh, between workstations, for example. So the purpose of that on-site inspection is to make sure that all of those things that need to be there with respect to preventing spread between people are there. And Alberta Health Services will have inspectors on-site next week. Uh, so the inspection in person 
that happened this week uh, is not being considered to be a standalone. It's a part of an ongoing series of in-person inspections uh, that will continue through the next week as the plant uh, is planning to reopen. So when I've talked to my colleagues at the local level with respect to Alberta Health Services, uh, they've provided me with information on the physical barriers, on the personal protective equipment, on the processing changes with respect to the speed of the processing and uh, making sure that shift changes happen at different times. And ultimately, in my role, I work very closely with those local Alberta Health Services medical officers of health uh, whose professional judgment and uh, their training and expertise I rely on. Uh, and so in all those conversations that I've had with my colleagues, um, they have again detailed those specific measures that are in place and in their judgment uh, they're deeming the plant is safe to work at and again we'll be on site again next week to make sure that they're able to see how the plant is operating when people are, are actually in it. Operator can you please put through the next caller? Next is Rick Bell with the Calgary Sun. Go ahead Rick. Uh, good afternoon this is a question for uh, Premier Kenny. It's kind of a quick two-parter. One is um, how did you la how did you and your and your group and advisors and everybody land on this particular plan in other words why did you decide on this instead of perhaps opening up faster and more than this plan or conversely locking things down more than this plan is how did you land on this particular sort of approach and just so i'm clear uh, for many of the drinkers among my readers, where do pubs fit in? Nightclubs are stage three. I want to be clear where pubs are. So where, when will people be able to go into a pub and have a beer or perhaps even a good Irish whiskey? Um, <laughs> when, when, what, what, what stage is, is that in? I'm, I'm reading the document. I'm not quite clear. So first sure. off, why did you land on this rather than being even more opening or more closing? And secondly, when can people go to their local neighborhood pub and have a beer? What stage is that in? Sure. So uh, first of all, Rick, the key criteria, we're following the numbers. That's what informs our decision. And the, some of the key numbers we've been tracking are the number of COVID-19 patients in acute care hospital beds and intensive care. Um, while those numbers have gone up, they are massively below the maximum capacity of our healthcare system. So the numbers we followed are how many people are in those hospital beds and how many hospital beds are available and how many trained medical, person, medical personnel are available to provide health services in those hospital beds. And so over the past uh, seven weeks, we have steadily increased the capacity of the healthcare system and we have seen the, the, the curve much lower than we initially feared uh, to the point where now we have um, only 5% of the acute care beds set aside for COVID patients are occupied by COVID patients. So we got to the point where uh, across the board, I think we felt a much higher level of confidence that we could begin uh, later uh, this month uh, in May to begin relaxing some of the measures carefully and prudently. So there's a lot of numbers. It's not just it's not just people in hospitals. You know, uh, we've obviously wanted to, for example, have a, a margin of confidence around uh, personal protective equipment for the healthcare system. So we've been steadily building up our stockpiles of that equipment. Uh, and, and those so those are the numbers that we have, have been tracking. Um, now, Rick, obviously, uh, for some people, and there are some in the public who will say continue to say shut everything down until the virus has gone away well here's the reality we're not close to getting a vaccine uh, or a widespread and effective uh, treatment of this disease and we're nowhere near getting to what the uh, scientists called herd immunity where so many people have uh, been infected and recovered that uh, they can no longer transmit it and that limits the spread so we're nowhere near those points uh, and so we what we need to do is um, manage the risk uh, and and that's what our relaunch strategy is based on gradual prudent uh, steps to open up and we're counting on Albertans uh, to show us uh, that great civic 
like-minded spirit, that personal responsibility, that caring for others in the way they conduct themselves. You know, let me put that another way, Rick. If people take this as a license to just, just let her rip, to go out there and, and, and um, congregate in big crowds and ignore the public health rules and forget about washing their hands and, and, and all the rest of it, they start holding big parties in their homes and, uh, and, and uh, ignoring all of the good habits that we've learned recently, well, guess what? We'll probably see a significant spike and then we'll have to come back in and and shut a lot of things down again so one message i want to send to people is um please uh show the kind of common sense that that we've been showing as as albertans over the past few weeks and if we do that uh we'll be able to continue gradually reopening on the question of bars uh, and pubs i can tell you that uh, uh, restaurants, cafes, lounges, and bars, and I'll throw into that pubs, uh, are able to open at 50% capacity when we get to phase one, and we're currently hoping to do that on um, May the 14th. So uh, pubs would be able to do that. Nightclubs will not. Um, and, uh, you know, in, in, the, in the pubs, they have a sit-down uh, service so people can be uh, sp uh, spaced uh, safely between from table to table uh, and uh, th th that's not possible in a, in a typical nightclub environment and that's why the nightclubs will remain closed until phase three. Operator can you please put through the next caller? Operator can you put through the next caller please? Sorry about that. Next is Dean Bennett with the Canadian Press. Go ahead, Dean. Thank you. Uh, Premier, I wonder, I appreciate this is a moving target, a lot of moving parts, a lot of unknowns, but what is your guiding philosophy right now in terms of the rollout? Are we all going to go forward together or will we look at regional differences? So, for example, if two weeks from now we're seeing some, you know, the case numbers are still concerning, say, in Calgary, the outbreaks are concerning, could we see a stage one for everyone except maybe the Calgary Health Region, or do you want us to see uh, have us all go forward together? Sure. The answer is, Dean, that we may take a local approach, but that local approach probably will, will not be based on an entire health zone, because those health zones that we have in the province, they're, they're really made up for administrative purposes. Um, they don't necessarily reflect, like you could have one small corner of Calgary or one particular workplace, for example, with a real problem, with a real outbreak, but the rest of the city might be doing reasonably well. Um, on the other hand, you might see a number of small towns with, uh, with outbreaks. That's what we have seen. You want, probably want to focus on those outbreaks and those towns rather than uh, suspending economic, much of the economic activity in a whole region. I'll, I'll give you a, a concrete example. As you know, it, we've seen um, at a long-term care facility in and the Peace River Country in uh, McLennan at the Manoir du Lac, uh, sad, a very sad outbreak there. Um, but very few cases in the rest of northwest Alberta. So uh, we intend to take a localized approach, not necessarily an entire health zone approach. Uh, Edmontonians should be encouraged that, we, that we've seen really uh, s strong performance in this city, uh, a very low level of, of infections, of hospitalizations. That's very encouraging. Um, it, it, it's not a license to let go. People have got, got to continue to be vigilant here. But uh, certainly there have been very significant uh, local variations. Obviously, right now, we're going to be very focused uh, on places like uh, Brooks and uh, High River. Uh, and obviously parts of Calgary. So this, the, the simple answer to your question is we will um, be taking a localized approach based on the health data that uh, comes out in the, in the weeks to come. Operator, can you please put through the next caller? Next caller is Tyler Dawson. Where have you gone, Tyler? Right, it looks like Tyler may have actually dropped off to so our next caller is Chris Barco, Calgary Herald. Go ahead, Chris. Hi, uh, Premier, this is a twofold question. The first one follows up on what Dean was asking. At the current infection rate that you are seeing in the Calgary region, do you anticipate that Calgary will be able to open into the preliminary stages and stage one with the rest of the province on May the 14th? That's the first question. The second one is when will you be sending out industry-specific guidelines right. to businesses and entrepreneurs? So, first of all, what we presented today is an overall plan. 
there is a very clear caveat or qualifier here that that uh, the plan can and will change as the numbers evolve. So we'll be keeping a close eye on the number of infections. If we see widespread, uh, uh, like a large spike or a number of outbreaks in Calgary, that may cause us to, to slow down. But right now, the actual number of confirmed cases in Calgary is a, is a very tiny percentage of the overall population. Uh, but we'll, ultimately, we're going to accept uh, the, obviously, follow the advice of uh, the chief medical officer and her team when it comes uh, to uh, the pace of opening right across the province and in particular local areas of concern. On, um, what was the second question, Chris? I'm sorry. Uh, when will uh, industry-specific guidelines? Industry-specific guidelines, sorry. So um, we are working right across the, uh, the Alberta government uh, to come up with detailed industry specific guidelines today we have presented uh, products with uh, with general guidelines uh, but there will be much more specific uh, guidelines for each industry uh, and uh, as we move to to phase one uh, hopefully to be launched on may the 14th um, and for example uh, we are saying that uh, we will allow uh, golf courses to op open with certain restrictions as soon as this weekend, uh, some provincial parks and boat launches, et cetera, this weekend. Uh, so those uh, specific uh, is, is instructions or, or directions will be provided uh, over the next couple of days. So there will be a, a very detailed um, list of uh, expectations and restrictions for each industry as we move forward. Operator, can you please put through the next caller? Next is Tom Vernon with Global News. Go ahead, Tom. I'm not sure if this is for the Premier or Dr. Henshaw, but in Stage 2, there's uh, talk of potential K-12 education. Um, I think parents were largely expecting classes would not return this year. Is there a chance, depending on how things are going, that there will be some form of return to classes, return to examinations? What, what might that look like? Uh, when we suspended the uh, schools in March, we made it clear that that would be for the balance of this academic year, uh, that instruction would continue online. Uh, that continues to be the case. So we will not be reopening the schools as a general rule uh, for the balance of this academic year. However, uh, we are in discussions with school boards about allowing uh, some limited reopening on a trial basis. Um, and uh, that would take into account for the possibility of summer classes, specialized programs, providing uh, uh, schools with more detailed guidance on, for example, the number of students permitted and physical distancing. Uh, so Minister LaGrange is currently consulting with school boards on that. Um, but at this point, the, not at this point, we can say with, with clarity that is a, the schools will not be opening as a general rule for the balance of this academic year. Uh, we are looking at whether we can uh, later in the summer perhaps regain some of the time that's been lost in this academic year by bringing the schools back earlier. Again, all of that is subject to consultation with the school boards and the advice of the chief medical officer. Operator, can you put through the next caller, please? Next is Bill Fortier with CTV News. Go ahead, Bill. Hi, Premier. Thanks for this. It's actually another booze question, and I'm just uh, looking for some clarification. In the news release, what it says as far as cafes and restaurants, it's a little unclear. It says cafes, restaurants, and then brackets, minors allowed in liquor license establishments, closed brackets, with no bar service to reopen for public seating at 50% capacity. Does that mean that restaurants will open on... The four, as early as the 14th, but they can't serve alcohol? Is no, no. Right? No, um, restaurants uh, will be uh, allowed to open uh, on, a on a limited basis in phase one, uh, limiting their uh, capacity to, sorry, that limiting the number of customers that can be seated there to 50% of capacity. And that applies as well as to cafes, lounges, and bars. So um, if they're licensed facilities, they can serve uh, beverages. But uh, when we're talking about uh, places where children are not normally permitted, we're talking, that's one way of defining nightclubs, uh, places where uh, there might be a lot more close socializing, and uh, those will not be permitted to open until uh, phase three. Doctor, would you like to add to that at all? 
Sure. So it has to do, uh, this is a particular way of categorizing uh, bars based on the type of license that they have through AGLC. And so as we were putting initially our restrictions into place, we use that type of license as a differentiation between, as the Premier said, uh, those bars that uh, had minors permitted uh, and those were allowed to continue to remain open, whereas those bars that minors were not permitted in, uh, those were ones that were not allowed to be open. And so we're using that same metric as a way of differentiating between those that can start reopening with 50% capacity as opposed to those who need to remain closed. Operator, can you please pick through the next caller? Next is Julia Wong with Global News. Go ahead, Julia. Hi, thanks for taking my question. Just hoping to get a few more details about what will be some of the first surgeries to start up again and how that will be rolling out and how long do you expect it'll take to get through the backlog? Thanks for the question, Julia. I just want to acknowledge and thank Albertans uh, for their patience and understanding because I know it's not been easy uh, for them to actually uh, have their surgeries postponed. We are actually going to be starting with what we call uh, scheduled day surgeries as a start. We've uh, reviewed a six-week plan with the Premier and EMCC. Uh, obviously, we're going to be following the similar metrics that the Premier has mentioned. Uh, and the types of surgeries that we're looking at, as I said, are going to be what we call uh, the scheduled day surgeries. So, for example, we know our two biggest wait lists are cataract surgeries and some of the orthopedic surgeries. And so those will be some that will be on the list. Operator, can you please put through the next caller? Next is Ryan Rishaw with TSN. Go ahead, Ryan. Uh, thanks for taking my uh, question, Mr. Premier. I just have a question about uh, the stages and how they may relate to the National Hockey League's potential interest in having some competition here in Edmonton, specifically uh, the wording, attendance at major sporting events uh, will not be permitted. I wonder if that wording leaves the door open for those major sporting events themselves to potentially happen. Um, but at the same time, it says arenas will be closed. So maybe just a comment, if you can, on, on the potential for the NHL to try and stage games and how it relates to this staging, and if stage two, there might be potential for that to happen. Well, to date, we have not received a detailed proposal from the uh, uh, NHL. And if we do get a, a, a such a proposal, we'll obviously sit down with uh, Dr. Hinshaw's team uh, to review uh, whether we could accommodate um, games, uh, obviously without a crowd. And I think that's what the NHL is looking at. Uh, they're looking at, at playing in, in uh, arenas um, with, uh, with nobody in the stands, but obviously for, for the television audience. So, you know, it, um, I, I think I, I can conceive of a way that they could put together a, a plan that follows our, our health guidelines with appropriate protective equipment and and um, with uh, with nobody in the stands but we have not yet received that uh, so the arena closing that's obviously about large-scale events and um, obviously there some work gets done and maintenance and other work gets done people are allowed into facilities like that for for limited and specific purposes and if they came to us with a plan for limited and specific use of those facilities we would give it consideration Operator, can you please put through the next caller? Next is Dylan Short with the Edmonton Journal. Go ahead, Dylan. Uh, I'm not sure if this is a question for the Premier or for Dr. Hinshaw, but you said that uh, the reopening on May 14th is dependent on if we keep our numbers stable. I was just hoping for a clarification on what stable means and what is the measurement. We're still seeing a couple hundred new cases every day. Is, is that stable or are we looking more at the hospital? And, and yeah, the, the key triggers that we're looking at are um, hospitalization numbers, in particular acute care and ICU uh, beds that are occupied by COVID-19 patients. Uh, and um, so I'll invite to Dr. Hinshaw if she wants to. She'll ultimately be giving us this advice, so I'll turn it over to her. Thank you. So ultimately, uh, as the Premier mentioned before, we're looking at the number of hospitalizations per day and the number of ICU uh, inpatients. And we're looking at that with respect to not just the, the total number, but also looking at where those are. And so again, as the Premier mentioned, there may be a need to consider 
uh, outbreak specific uh, approaches to some areas where they are seeing an additional number of cases. So we're going to be looking both at that overall number as well as at that local number to be able to make decisions about what's appropriate to do across the province and where there might be tailoring needed to address particular areas of risk. Operator, can you please put through the next caller? Operator? All right, next is Kevin Nimick with CTV. Go ahead, Kevin. Hi, Premier. Earlier this week, you reported COVID-19 would peak in mid-May. So why are we opening so many businesses and services right as we expect to hit that peak? And could that put additional people at risk? Well, the key thing is I presented our modeling of both the uh, low, probable, and elevated scenarios. All of them have seen uh, the curve flattened significantly from our uh, initial models. And more importantly, they are all uh, far below the maximum capacity of our health system. Uh, so we believe that we can pr uh, proceed uh, prudently, cautiously, with a gradual phased uh, reopening of uh, businesses and social activity that's been constrained, uh, while very uh, carefully keeping an eye on those numbers. So the word peak itself shouldn't scare us. Uh, obviously, at some point in the life of a, uh, a spread of a virus, there is going to be a high point. The key thing is that high point is well below the maximum capacity of our healthcare system to cope, and all indications are that that is the case and that will be the case in mid-May. Um, if that changes, I'm, uh, I have uh, every confidence that our, our public health officials will say we need to go a little bit slower, uh, but we need a plan and uh, we need be people to begin to prepare. Businesses need to begin, uh, if we're going to start gradual reopening, they need to start reordering supplies and rehiring people and uh, getting ready. We can't just turn on a dime. And so now we're giving uh, those businesses uh, our, uh, some confidence about our expectation that we can begin the gradual reopening mid-May. Okay, we have time for three more. Operator, can you put through the next caller, please? Next caller is Bill Coffin with Post Media. Go ahead, Bill. Yes, hi, uh, Dr. Hinshaw. Um, uh, I know that um, some uh, employees at the Amazon Fulfillment Center um, uh, just north of Calgary are concerned about um, a number, an increasing number of cases. Uh, apparently, there have been five there that have been reported by uh, management, um, and yet the um, AHS says. Uh, this doesn't constitute a, an outbreak. Um, some of these staff members are, are fear that this could become another uh, Cargill. Um, or do you have what, what are, or do you have concerns about this situation there? So I haven't had an opportunity to talk to my colleagues uh, with respect to that particular situation. Uh, what I can say in general is that when there are cases at any workplace, that part of our case investigation, whether it's one case or you're mentioning five, again, I don't have that specific information, but whatever the number of cases, there's always an investigation to make sure that there's an identification of who might be a close contact. And those people who are close contacts are then uh, required to be in quarantine or self-isolation for 14 days after their potential exposure. And so the, that those are the kinds of measures that would always be taken. And that's not dependent on calling an outbreak or not calling an outbreak. Uh, so I'm not sure exactly what's happened at that particular work site. Uh, but another thing that I know is important as my colleagues are looking at these cases is to understand where people may potentially have been exposed. And so uh, what we know is that people may have been exposed in uh, perhaps a home setting or perhaps um, again in, a, in another location. So if, and again, I, I don't know this because I haven't spoken to my colleagues about this particular site, but if some of those cases are close contacts of other cases perhaps, and it's clear where they acquired the infection uh, and that it's likely not acquired at the workplace, those would all be factors that would be taken into account by the local medical officer of health in determining whether or not there was an outbreak. Uh, so I'm happy to maybe follow up. We can get more information offline. Uh, but again, those would be the factors that would go into considering what additional measures might need to be put into place. But there are basic interventions that are put in place with every single case, uh, ensuring that anyone who was exposed is on self-isolation for 14 days. Okay, we have time for two more. Operator, can you please put through the next caller? 
Next is Aaron Collins with CBC National. Go ahead, Aaron. A uh, question for the Premier. I just wanted to ask again a little bit about uh, the reopening of Cargill on Monday. We've uh, got some more confirmed cases from workers there today. So uh, how confident are you that, that that facility will be able to get back up and running safely for those workers? And secondly, uh, if you could, we're hearing from some labour groups some continuing calls for more of a public inquiry into the into the death connected with that facility. Is that something you'd look into? And there's been some talk of a of a criminal investigation too. Is that is that something that you consider? Well, I'll go in reverse order. First of all, anything that's a criminal matter would obviously be up to uh, the police independent of government. As, uh, secondly, there is, I understand, a inquiry into that uh, uh, death uh, being undertaken by uh, Alberta Labour and Immigration Occupational Health and Safety Branch. Um, and uh, thirdly, uh, let me, in terms of our uh, the idea of a public inquiry, uh, obviously when we're past the pandemic, uh, the government of Alberta will launch a comprehensive uh, study of what we did right and what didn't go well and uh, to, to get all of the essential lessons learned from this whole experience. And not, that obviously will uh, focus on where there have been outbreaks, both in long-term care facilities as well as uh, meat plants. Um, in terms of our level of confidence, uh, I'm confident about the competence of our officials. Uh, there's obviously an enormous amount of scrutiny uh, being placed on uh, that and other plants by a number of regulatory agencies, by Alberta Health Services, uh, Public Health Division, by the uh, Labour and Immigration Occupational Health and Safety, by the Canadian Food Inspection Agency, which is an organ of the federal government, by Alberta Agriculture uh, and other agencies, uh, as well as obviously by the operator itself. Um, Cargill and, and other meatpacking plants have now uh, had experience with uh, combating the virus in, in not just here but in plants all around the world um, and uh, as Dr. Hinshaw has pointed out in the past uh, much of the uh, spread associated with Cargill and High River uh, actually occurred outside of the plant um, through practices such as carpooling and uh, um, and other uh, vectors of transmission that were not necessarily directly related to the operation of the facility. Uh, I, I think it's important to underscore look so we obviously fully expect and will demand and we'll have the the closest possible oversight to ensure not just the safe operation of the facility when they begin again but also um, questions like transportation. I understand that Cargill has uh, worked out a protocol where no more than two workers can come in the same car. One has to sit in the back seat, one in the front seat. There, I understand going to be providing uh, transportation with shuttles that have um, dividers between them to uh, uh, to limit aerosol spread, for example. So there, it sounds that they are taking extraordinary measures to not just ensure the plant operates safely, but that um, the workers uh, uh, are safe outside of the plant. Um, and finally, uh, let me say that it's important for us to remember that, like I, I know for the those folks who want us to take absolutely zero risk right across society in every instance, they, they'd like us to shut everything down uh, indefinitely. But clearly, uh, food security and our uh, food supply chains constitute an essential service. Uh, Cargill and JBS together represent, I understand, 75% of Canada's uh, beef consumption comes from those two plants alone. We've seen um, small outbreaks in uh, different kinds of food processing plants. Uh, you can go to vegetable processing plants where people typically work fairly close together, like in any kind of a, a factory setting. So in all of those settings, we need people to, uh, we need operators uh, to operate with the most stringent public health uh, protocols and uh, to be as safe as possible. But we simply cannot shut down every food processing plant in Alberta or in Canada uh, because that would create an obvious uh, uh, crisis in terms of food security. Operator, can you please put through the last caller? Chris F. with CTV Calgary. Go ahead, Chris. Thank you. Uh, to the Premier or Dr. Henshaw, whomever prefers. I'm just wondering, why are we ruling out going back to school? There's still two months left in the school year. Um, Quebec's already talking about sending kids back, and they've 
had you know it's been a far more a harsh yeah. event there than it has here. So why is this something we're already saying is not going to happen when there's still you know eight weeks left of school? Fair question. So we've been engaged in consultations with the school boards, and overwhelmingly, what we've heard is that they would prefer not to come back. Um, the that was the expectation that that was established when we suspended the schools back, I think, on March 16th. Uh, secondly. Um, we're advised by the Department of Education and interred the school boards that it would take them uh, upwards of three weeks to, like if we were to say today that they should get re, uh, they should be reopened, that in most instances they would not be able to do so until uh, roughly the third week of May. And that, in that case, they've, they've barely got a, they've basically only got a month left. So uh, having said that, uh, there are consultations going on about small scale openings with restrictions on a trial basis. Uh, so there may be some school boards, perhaps um, uh, charter schools and individual schools that, that may come forward with a plan for consideration by uh, Alberta Health uh, to see if, uh, if they can be uh, able to operate on a limited trial basis uh, for the balance of the school year. Uh, I would point out that Quebec in this regard is an outlier. We've done a jurisdictional scan and um, we do not believe any other Canadian province will be reopening schools for the balance of this academic year and that appears to be overwhelmingly the case, overwhelmingly the case pardon me, across uh, Europe and uh, most of the United States for example. So uh, the, the, the approach that Alberta is, is following is clearly the, um, the consensus view amongst other jurisdictions that are combating the pandemic. Okay, we'll leave it there for today. We'll be back tomorrow with another update. Thank you very much. All right, lots of information there in that hour-long news conference from uh, Premier Jason Kenney and Dr. Dina Hinshaw as they announced the details of the province's uh, staged COVID-19 relaunch. It's in three different phases, but some things will be able to uh, reopen tomorrow.